Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. Your host is Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's conversation is with Mark Stevens, who serves with the International Mission Board. In March of 2003, terrorists planted a bomb at an airport in the Philippines. The explosion took the lives of 23 people, including one of our missionaries, Bill Hyde. Sandy talks with Mark about what he experienced that day and what he has seen God do since that tragic event. This may be difficult to hear, but God has done some amazing things. Mark, welcome to the podcast. I am incredibly honored that you would sit down and talk to me a few minutes. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, this is, this is an honor for me. I mean, WMU and so many people have prayed for us, and so we want, we want people to hear what the Lord has done. So I'm very happy to. We're less than a year away from the 20th anniversary of the terrorist bombing in the Philippines that took the life of missionary personnel. You were there that day. Talk through what happened. We were coming in from a meeting, my wife Barbara and I and our two kids, and our missionary colleague Bill Hyde was at the airport picking us up. They were, Bill and Lynn were our next door neighbors. And so frequently when one of us would come into the airport, the other would pick the other one up. And so Bill's there picking us up that day. And as we were coming in, I was still getting the bags. Barbara and the kids went ahead and went outside to meet Bill and talk with him. And our daughter was a little whiny that day. And Bill said, why don't you just go on to the car? And he took our daughter's backpack. And so they walked. And unbeknownst to them, there, uh, there was a bomb in the waiting shed where they were and they actually would have walked past it and were about four seconds beyond the bomb when it went off and it it was the charge was forward and so it killed bill and uh, my family my wife and children all had shrapnel and our son almost died from his shrapnel wounds praise the lord he did not i can't imagine how devastating that was for your family your family is injured. Your colleague yeah. has died. It was hard to walk out because when the bomb went off, I heard it, went outside, saw Bill laying there, uh, ran up to him. I knew our, our, our son has a bleeding disorder, and so I knew that he was nine months old at the time and, and so uh, was frantically looking for them. Couldn't find them. Uh, one of our colleagues had seen them passing and called me and told me that they were able to get in. My wife was actually taking her kids to the hospital. She ended up being the first one to make it to the hospital. And so our son miraculously lived. The doctors still don't know how he lived because he had uh, a bleeding disorder and the shrapnel had just gone all through him. Uh, the Lord just did an amazing thing there, but it was, it was hard. It was, we actually, I, I told the Lord I was done. And I just couldn't go on anymore. I, I remember when I was actually holding my son in the hospital, and I was like, Lord, I can't, I can't lose my son. And I'm done, and, and I, I want to go home. And the next morning, and my devotion was on God giving up his only son. I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> he's yours. <laughs> and praise the Lord, he lived. It was a hard, it was hard. I can imagine. And I can imagine that a lot of people probably begged you to come home at that point. They did. And many of our family and friends asked us. And we actually, 
began pleading with the Lord to send us home. Uh, we knew that if the Lord had called us, he has to send us home. And so we began praying. We actually, the IMB took great care of us. Amazing, amazing what the IMB did and taking care of us and our family. And we truly are blessed to be a part of the International Mission Board and how they take care, especially in, in the midst of a crisis situation. This is when you're most proud to be Southern Baptist because what the International Mission Board does and taking care of people. One of the things they did is they told us they'd send us back to the States for a time if we liked. We knew that if we went home, we wouldn't come back. And so we said, can we go to a hotel on another island? So they let us do that. And so for a couple of weeks, we sat at that hotel. And what we were doing is begging the Lord to send us home. And uh, the Lord would not release us. And so you, told us to stay. You have a nine-month-old, and you have another child. Yeah, uh, our daughter was four years old. Four years old. So nine months and four years old at the time. Then the Lord was, began giving us a vision while we were sitting in this hotel of what He wanted to do. And as we just began studying the Scripture over and over, being again showing us to train Filipinos to be the missionaries. And one of the things that Bill Hyde's widow did, Lynn Hyde, is she put up a, some flowers and a sign at the airport. And on the sign it said, uh, Filipinos are worth dying for. And that galvanized Southern Baptist in the Philippines. Uh, the different islands all came together and they wanted to honor Bill for his sacrifice and all that he had done. Bill was focused on reaching unreached people groups. And so they began saying that they wanted to be missionaries to oh, go to the unreached people groups, which was exactly what the Lord had been God. showing us. So we stayed. Did you come to the decision together, or was one of you, I want to stay, and one of you, I want to go? How did that process work? We were both saying we wanted to go. <laughs> and then as we just kept reading Scripture, we both came to the conclusion Together. Together, yeah. Praise God for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we stayed, and then this is the part I like to tell because God does the amazing. And so with these Filipino brothers and sisters that just began saying, we want to be the missionaries, they began sending. We, our job became, and all of our personnel began training Filipinos to be the missionaries to go into these unreached places. So like in Mindanao, in the tribal areas, there was 21 unreached people groups. We started having, back then we called uh, missionaries uh, strategy coordinators in an area. And so we trained the Filipinos to be the strategy coordinators in a particular tribal group. And so more and more of them began getting trained and began going out. And over the next five years, all 21 of those unreached people groups were reached, meaning that they were all not only just above 2%, but they were all above 5% Christian. Amazing. The Lord just did some amazing things in that. Still, it was hard. I mean, it was, we cried a lot, and still it was hard to go through an airport. Still don't like when... I don't let people pick me up at the airport anymore. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was hard for Lynn. She came back also. She went to a different island. She came back. She led some of our prayer effort. We had an incredible prayer network of 
Filipinos, especially among the WMU, they're in the Philippines. They were Southern Baptists. They had WMU. They have a strong WMU. They have a very, very strong WMU. Part of that legacy. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that got to the point even that after they were reaching the tribes there, then they came together also and began wanting to send missionaries overseas. And so now they're one of our global partners. And several of the countries we can't get into, then they can go into. And uh, what man meant for evil, God used for good. And, and that's, that's what we see is that God always does things in such a way that he gets the glory and that no one can claim credit for it. It was just, he uses something that was very evil and horrible to go through, but he used that situation and turned it for his glory and his honor. And so... That's Praise the good part of the story. <laughs> Praise God for that. And now your role is to help new missionaries that are going out. What do you tell them? Well, we tell them the story. We tell them the hardships because it's, it's hard to be a missionary. And there's a lot of hard things that you have to face because most of the places that are unreached are unreached for a reason. They're in hard places. But we, we tell them it's worth it. We try to prepare them spiritually, with skills in the Scripture. they got to know the Bible and so that they're ready to go into these places because it's going to be a hard time, especially in the beginning. is hard for them. So we just want to prepare them for the hardships that's coming, but also for the amazing things that God does. The things that you can never think possible that God ends up doing. What are some of those that you remember from your experience in the Philippines? Just like if we had gone home, we would have missed this moment. I remember one of the uh, tribal leaders of one of the tribes was not a believer. And we were doing a, we called it a tribal jubilee. It was celebrating being tribal. And he came, we shared the gospel a lot during that time. And to see him come to faith, as one of our Filipino SCs led him to faith, so the chief of that tribe. And then uh, him getting up on stage with his folks and dancing for the Lord. <laughs> it's kind of funny because every culture is a little different of how they express when they come to faith. And to see that, to see what I loved most was to see the Filipinos just, they took responsibility for the missionary task. That they decided, hey, you know, the foreigners can't go into all these places. And it's our responsibility to reach our people. And then to see them, especially when they came together in, in their mission-sending agency, and for the first time to come together and say, we are going to send missionaries. A lot of, a lot of cool experiences. Uh, one time we were uh, sharing the gospel with a guy. He seemed interested, but every time we'd go back, we were using chronological Bible story. And we'd go back and tell another story. We'd ask him, do you remember the story from the last time? He's like, no, couldn't remember <laughs> anything. And so we would come back, and every week we're going back. He didn't seem to be getting it. And my Filipino partner, I asked him, I was like, do you think we should just go on to another place? Because I don't know if he's really that interested. He goes, no, you, you taught us that we're supposed to pray. And I said, yeah, that's true. And so we, we did a thing of praying for him by name in our group for a week and our prayer network back in the U.S. We asked them to pray for him by name for a week. We went back to uh, his house 
and starts the next story. Say, do you remember the story from last time? He remembered every one of the stories. We shared the next story, shared the gospel with him. He prayed to receive Christ in oh that, goodness, that day. God. What we later came to find out was he was the witch doctor in the village. And we didn't know that at the time. But how we found that out is uh, he, he brought all of his paraphernalia to church. And so he'd been reading in the scripture and Acts of how they burned it. And so he brought his uh, amulets and his books of incantations and things like that, brought them all and burned them in front of the village. It was a glorious thing to see, you know, and see Acts come alive. I mean, this is just like an Acts. To see God at work in his life, and we believe very much in prayer. We, we've seen God do so many things just through the prayers of the saints and just how the prayer network's there in the Philippines, but also the prayer network of people who just poured out their love for us, but also prayed for us on a regular basis from the U.S. Prayer is big for us at WMU. Yeah. We believe in the power of prayer. Was there any moment that you thought this was a mistake, we shouldn't have stayed? Or did God set your heart and your resolve was sure? Um, my wife and I used to joke around that about every six months we'd want to go home. That's common for missionaries. I mean, it's just hard. And the Lord was doing amazing things. I mean, it's still, there's, there's lots of issues. Uh, son's bleeding disorder, and we're in the middle of a country and a place that didn't have great medical, and we had some educational issues with our kids, and, you know, what are we doing to our kids came to be a thought sometimes. But now they're doing great, and uh, one's finishing up master's, and one has just started their college program. They're doing great. Yes, but every, I'd say about every six months, we just made an agreement between my wife and I that we couldn't want to go home on the same day. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes it was like, no, no, today's my day. No, I want today to be my day. But, you know, there, there's always that. There's always a struggle. Because it's hard. It is really hard. And this is where the IMB support system is so wonderful. And we just had great churches that supported us, that helped us. Our sending church would uh, call us once a month, and the leaders of the church would call and ask us how we're doing, how our marriage is doing, how we're doing, and just try to support us. And that, that was super helpful. How amazing. Yeah. You've talked about what you say to the missionaries. What would you say to the church in the United States? Well, maybe two things. One is that there's no one outside the grace of God. There are people around the churches, even here in the United States, that so many Muslims have moved to the United States. They need Jesus too. One story to share just about that is a few years later, I got to go to a different country. We moved to a different country. And uh, I got to meet one of the guys who financed the bombing we were in. And he'd become a believer. And he's a modern-day Paul. And uh, to worship with him. And to see his life transformed by the gospel. It was not uncommon to see terrorists come to faith in that country. There's nobody outside the grace of God. And there are people who've done horrible things, but deep down inside, the Lord is convicting them. The Holy Spirit is at work convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment. They know it. 
and that there are people all around the churches here in the United States that are, they are desperate for God. And some of them are come across very strongly against. But inside, the, the Spirit of God is working on them. And so my first thing I'd say to the church is, there's nobody outside the grace of God. Reach out to everybody. Because you never know who is that Saul who's going to become Paul. How do we do that in practical ways? What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, just recently in Richmond, we, we just go out and share the gospel with everybody in our neighborhood and share the gospel in parks. And we find a lot of hurting people. And uh, one of the things we do is we help train our missionaries as they go out. We send them there in Richmond and go out with them and help them make sure that they're prepared to go overseas and all the skills that they need and sharing the gospel and making disciples and planting churches. We're working with some churches there in Richmond. As they've gone out, we've found just a lot of hurting people. And so just got to get out and share the gospel. We partner with the churches. One thing that just recently happened just a few weeks ago was one of our personnel was paired up with one of the members of one of these churches, and they were just out sharing the gospel. And they were, it started raining, so they went in the store, and so they just started sharing with people in the store. And uh, a lady came to faith. It was the first time that this lady who was from this church had ever helped lead somebody to faith. So that, that was really cool. And we send our youth out too. So our youth that come to training, we had a 14 and a 16-year-old. These two youth were out sharing the gospel, and they found somebody was open, and then uh, my wife was with them. And after, I think it was the second or third meeting, the three of them following up with her, uh, she came to faith. So there's a lot of people that God is convicting, and we, we're just joining God where He's at work. And we just need to have gospel conversations yes. anywhere and everywhere. Yes. And what was the second thing you would say to oh, the church? Oh, the second thing is prayer. This is something that the country that we moved to in Southeast Asia after this was a Muslim country and wasn't seeing a lot happen. One of our leaders formed a partnership with uh, Georgia WMU. And there was at least 20,000 WMU ladies we knew were praying for this particular island. And God just so happened, right? It just so happened right when they started praying, we had all these movements among Muslims break out, and we started seeing all these Muslims come to faith in Christ. And same thing happened on another island where we were working. This network, there was a natural disaster that happened, and so we started a network of churches in the U.S. who were praying for that island, and the result was, is it just so happened when that network started and all this prayer started happening of thousands of people praying that people started coming to faith. And there was a time frame for that uh, when that ended. Same with the WMU thing when it ended with that partnership. I had one of my national partners come to me and say, we don't know what's happened, but used to we'd go out and share the gospel and people were coming to faith every week. And now, nobody's coming to faith. And he, and he described it as a faucet being turned off. So then it led us to the point of talking with him about, okay, we have to have prayer from within also, not just from the outside. 
And so when they started their praying again locally, then people started coming to faith again. Prayer is absolutely vital in the missionary task. And so what I would say to the churches in the U.S. is please pray for us. Pray and get a specific place or people group that you're praying for, that your church or your WMU is praying for, and pray and partner with that because it is absolutely vital in the work. We've seen it over and over, just like the witch doctor from the Philippines. When people were praying for him, that's when he came to faith. And prayer is absolutely vital for missions to truly have the effect around the world. Well, I'm going to close with this question then. How can we pray for you? Pray for us that we would have wisdom in how to prepare our missionaries as they go. Pray too is we're, we're trying to help the churches in that process of preparation before they go to. This we have wisdom. Sometimes it feels like a daunting task to make sure everybody's really prepared to go overseas. So pray for that. Pray also. We have been starting to try to look through Richmond and how can we, just like we did on the field, how can we look through Richmond and try to reach Richmond? And so pray for that effort. Um, we, we want the churches to be united together and reaching all of that area. Richmond, you'd think, I mean, this is it's part of the South and part of so much Baptist work has happened then, but we're seeing, especially in certain areas of Richmond, not a lot of churches and a lot of people who we actually ran into somebody the other day who had never heard the gospel in their life in Richmond. And that just bothers me. Yeah. And so pray that more churches would be planted and that truly Richmond would be reached. We covet to pray for you and that request. Mark, I'm so grateful that you would take time to spend a few minutes with me today. And I know your story is going to inspire people to pray more hopefully to give more, to be more committed in their own community to sharing the gospel. Thank you so much. Thank you. And truly, we're so thankful for WMU. I mean, truly. I know my mom was part of WMU. I was in RAs and all of that. And I know the sacrifices that so many WMUs do. And I know the amount of prayer that goes on. And it has impacted my life growing up. But then when we were overseas... So many of our prayer partners were those WMU groups all across the Midwest where, where I grew up. And man, we just, we're so thankful for you also. Thank you, Mark. Today, the Philippines is both a mission field and a mission force. You can hear more about how IMB missionaries are working with Filipino missionaries to go to unreached areas Westerners cannot go. Learn more by checking out the newly released International Mission Study on the Philippines by visiting wmustore.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.